The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. A crown of thorns placed on his head. He knew that he would soon be dead. He said, did you forget me, Father, did you?
greed is an evil that must make God weep. For he has poured out everything. But for a person who has greed in their heart, they never have enough. They always want more. And they see themselves as victims. And they say, if I just had, then I could. And they will manipulate. And they will do everything that they can to get more. They think they're entitled. Now, greed is a common ailment of the human heart. Greed is right at the center of the human heart. And the scriptures tell us that greed is idolatry. It is the worship of what we want and what we will do to get what we want. Whether we have to beg, borrow, or steal, greed says you must have what you want. Now the problem with with greed is manyfold. But a key part of greed is that you can never help a greedy person enough. They'll always come back and ask for more. You can never you can never satisfy a greedy person. They might they may buy a a very expensive automobile. But then they're going to want something else. As that new automobile wears off and their greed rises up. Anyone who is willing to give is quickly identified and sought after. It's a very dangerous thing to give to another person. And yet Jesus calls us to give to the poor, to give to one another. But let's get right to the central issue of what greed is. Greed is demonic. That was Satan's sin in heaven. He wanted more. And more, and more, until he wanted to be God himself. But let's get now right to the heart of the issue. There was an, a, a parable that I read many years ago. It was an extra-biblical parable. It was about a young man coming to a holy man and asking him, would you teach me the way of righteousness? And the holy man said, yes, I will teach you the way of righteousness. So he went and got a cup. He said, let's have a cup of tea before we begin. And so the young man, now holding the cup, holds it out toward the holy man who has a teapot. And the holy man begins to pour the tea for this young man who is seeking righteousness. And the tea comes to the top, but the holy man does not stop pouring. He continues pouring, and the young man pulls it back and says, No, no, sir, it's full, it's full. And the holy man said to the young man, So it is with your life. Go empty your life and then come back and I'll teach you about righteousness. 
Remember the rich young ruler? That was essentially what Jesus did with the rich young ruler. He said, go and give all that you have to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. We cannot follow Jesus with greed in our hearts. That greed must be addressed. We must come to terms with our greedy nature, our pig nature. I remember our neighbor rented the barn on our property to raise pigs. He wanted to take two of the piglets, now beginning to really grow, he wanted to take them to the 4-H for his children, a farm program for kids. He wanted to take them to the fair. So he said to my brother and myself, look, I'll pay you 50 cents to catch the pigs for us. So my brother and I, on a weekly allowance of 25 cents, says, wow, that's awesome. We'll get the pigs for you. And we went into the pig pen to get the pigs. Oh, but they were slick. They did not want to be caught. Before long, we'd fallen down in the slop. And frankly, when we were finished, we caught the pigs, but we now looked like pigs. It's almost impossible to deal with a greedy person and not get their slop on you. Because their greed kicks up anger in your heart. It kicks up feelings of judgment in your heart. And pretty soon, you look like a pig too. Well, here's the issue that we need to deal with today. We fill our hearts with the husks of this world because of greed in our heart. Now, for a very poor person, it becomes quickly obvious their greed because you can never help them enough. They always want more and they're not grateful. If they if they say thank you, it's only because they want to manipulate you into giving them more. And if you don't give them more, they feel that you are persecuting them, that you're not being fair with them. A person who has plenty, it's harder to identify the greed quickly in them but it will soon become apparent by how they spend their time and their money and their energy. And they will begin to fill their hearts with television shows, with computer games. One man constantly played the boxing video game. He loved the violence of it. He loved the strategy of it. His heart was greedy for violence. His heart was greedy for entertainment. He had enough money. They could buy their new house and cover their expenses. So the greed showed up in what he chose to fill his heart with. Or a man will, or a woman, will fill their hearts with pornography because they're greedy. They'll fill their hearts with work. Work, 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 work. They want the money. They're greedy. That money means a holiday, traveling, having leisure time, 
greed. Now, let me share some scriptures with you that will very clearly identify what I'm trying to talk about and the spiritual impact it has on your life. But let me preface this scripture by saying it will be obvious out of this scripture that that people, unsaved people, and I'm saying unsaved because many Christians are full of greed and they're unsaved. But greedy people want to stuff their hearts with food, with physical pleasure, with emotional pleasure, with with a sense of, well done, I'm somebody, look what I've been able to pull off. Greed. So Jesus, in John the sixth chapter, tells the story about people, Jesus having lifted up his eyes and having seen that a great multitude is coming to him, he says to Philip, from where will we buy bread so that they may all eat? But he was saying this to test him because he himself had known what he was about to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for them that each of them might take a little something. That is, a year's salary in that day would not be enough to even begin to feed this crowd. John 6, verse 8. One from among his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, There's one little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So Jesus said, You make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, and the men reclined, total about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed to the disciples, then the disciples to the ones reclining, likewise of the fish, as much as they were wanting. And after they were filled, he said to his disciples, You gather up the pieces, having remained, that nothing may be lost. In response, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by the ones having eaten. Then the men, after having seen what sign Jesus did, were saying, Truly, this man is a prophet, the one coming into the world. Then Jesus, knowing that they were about to come and take him by force, that they might make him king, he withdrew to the mountain by himself. Now as evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and having entered into the boat, they were going to the other side of the sea to Capernaum. And darkness had already come, and Jesus had not come to them. And the sea was being stirred by a great wind blowing. Then having rowed about three or four miles, they're watching Jesus walking on the sea and coming close to the boat, and they were afraid. But he says to them, I, I am, I am he. You must stop being afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat came to the land to which they were going. On the next day, the multitude having stood on the other side of the sea, having seen that no small boat was there except for the one into which his disciples entered, and that Jesus did not enter the small boat with his disciples, but his disciples went away alone. But other small boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord gave thanks. So when the multitude saw that Jesus is not there, nor his disciples, they themselves enter into the boats, And they come to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And after having found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, how long have you been here? And Jesus answered them and said, 
Truly, truly, I'm saying to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. A sign is pointing to something. The feeding of the 5,000 was a sign given by Jesus pointing to himself as the bread of life. They could not comprehend that he was speaking spiritually. They were so full of the world, the flesh, and the devil that they had no room in them for spiritual values. He said, you must stop working for food that is perishing, but for the food remaining for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So now they want a bigger sign. These greedy people want a bigger sign to prove that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. So they say, our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it stands written, he gave them bread to eat out of heaven. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Moses has not given you the bread out of heaven. But my Father is giving you the bread out of heaven, the true bread. For the bread of God is the one coming down out of heaven and giving life to the world. He's saying, look, I'm the bread. I'm the bread. Now, they had no understanding of this. They had no, they had no room in their heart to begin to deal with this because the greed of their heart was so great They just wanted lunch provided that day. They wanted to see Jesus do another miracle and feed them again. And then they would have wanted another miracle, another meal, only they'd ask for a different menu. They weren't going to always ask for fish and bread. They'd ask for the gourmet meal. Now look, here's the problem. Many of you who call yourselves Christians are struggling. And the reason you're struggling with spiritual values is that you have no room in your heart for things of the Spirit. Now, let me be much more direct. You get in the car, and you immediately turn on the radio. Now you're going to listen to the news. You're going to listen to pleasing music that begins to fill the emptiness of your heart. And then you're going to go home after you've worked all day and you've filled yourself with your work, with the concerns, the obligations of your work. And then you sit down and you watch the History Channel or you watch some movie. Now you have filled your heart with all of that food. So when it comes time to pray, you go to sleep because you're stuffed. I mean, one of my favorite meals is salmon and asparagus and some mashed potatoes. Well, that's about as good as it gets. Or, you know what? I like a, I like a wonderful filet that, that is so tender it's like candy with some vegetables and a salad. Wonderful. And then after I'm full, I'm tempted to take a nap because I'm full. Now, I'm offered dessert after this meal, and I say, no, 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 no. I'm full. I don't have room for that flan, or I don't have room for that creme brulee. I don't have room for that piece of cake or that ice cream. I am full. Well, you have no hunger to read the scriptures or to pray, or to meditate on the Word of God. 
because you're full. You have filled yourself with the things of the flesh. I'm not saying of sin. It may be very good stuff. You may have been studying a course that you need to take to get an advancement in your job. Or you may have been doing something else that has profit worthwhile. But if you so fill your heart with even good things, and then you are offered the bread of life, you will say, I'm sorry, I'm too full. And so you don't eat of the bread of life. You don't have any hunger for it. Now I'll tell you what I've had to do. I've had to severely limit my intake. I limit the number of people I speak with. I avoid any kind of boisterous social engagement because I don't want to carouse with people. I don't want to talk loud and joke and laugh and No, I want to be sober because I am sober before Jesus. That doesn't mean I don't smile and I don't laugh. I do. But I don't have time to go to parties. I limit my time on the computer. I severely limit the amount of food I eat. I severely limit the books I read or the magazines I peruse. I just don't do it. Now, there are some magazines that I very much enjoy. But I turn away from them because I don't have the ability to fill myself with secular thoughts or even other people's religious thoughts, and then be hungry for the Word of God. I can't eat everything that everybody's handing out. I mean, we live in a smorgasbord world. You could never possibly look at all of the magazines and all of the books, and all of the TV shows, and all of the internet, YouTubes, you could never look at and get a hold of all that's out there and still be hungry for Jesus. Sometimes we want to grab a hold of everything. We want to be knowledgeable about everything. I can't be knowledgeable about everything and be knowledgeable about the kingdom of God. And so I have to severely limit what I take into my spirit. And I'll tell you what's happened as I've turned off I don't have a television in my house, haven't for years. As I turn off the internet, as I turn away from books and magazines, as I have turned away from any Christian books that I'm just reading for information, as I have turned aside and read the Bible, and I almost exclusively read the Bible. I read very little else. And as I have done that, as I've turned off much social intercourse, I'm not a hermit. I have a few very dear people in my life that I speak often with. 
because when we speak, we speak about Jesus. We speak about the way of the cross. We speak about things of eternity. As I have done this, there has been a tremendous increase in my level of hunger for the things of God. You see, Jesus is not going to grade me on how many books I've read or how many television shows I've watched or how much money I've earned. No, his question is, have you eaten the bread of life? Have you filled yourself with the things of heaven? He said, this is John 6. Truly, truly, I'm saying to you, you are seeking me not for, not because of the signs, but because you are, you ate the loaves and the, and the fishes. You were filled. You must stop working for food that is perishing, but for the food remaining for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. In fact, God the Father confirmed this one. Well, what do we have to do to do the works of God? And Jesus answers, This is the work of God, that you may believe in the one he has sent. If you are so full of everything else, you will have no room for Jesus or his word. Or if you sit down to read the scriptures, you'll immediately fall asleep. That's a sure sign that your mind is full of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You have seared your mind. You are fat and overfed on the things of darkness. And the only steps you can take are to cut those things off so that the hunger of your heart will grow toward things of eternity. Now he says, I am the bread of life. John 7, no, John 6, verse 35, I am the bread of of life. The one coming to me may by no means hunger, and the one believing in me may by no means thirst ever. Now, Before we run out of time, I want to go right to the heart of the issue. No one is able to come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. You can be very well-versed in religion, but you will not be a friend of Jesus unless you hear the Father call you. And I believe the Father calls everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever, but you're going to have to be hungry for Jesus, or the Father will not and cannot draw you. John 6 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the desert and they died. This is the bread coming down out of heaven that everyone may eat of it and may not die. I am the living bread, having come down out of the heaven. If anyone may eat of this bread, he will live eternally. And yet the bread that I will give is my flesh which I give in behalf of the life of the world. So the Jews were disputing with one another, saying, how's this man able to give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you may eat the flesh of the Son of Man 
and may drink his blood. You have no life in yourselves. In other words, all of the things that we eat in the flesh do not give us life. They sustain the physical body. They sustain the emotional life of the physical body. But they are not life. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is truly food, and my blood is truly drink. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood remains in union with me, and I in union with him. But some of you, let's be very straight and honest, some of you are in union with your work. You're in union with your television shows. You're in union with your hobbies. You are not in union with Jesus. Because you're greedy. You're greedy. You're greedy for the loaves and the fishes that satisfy the physical body and the physical mind and the and the flesh. He says, And many from among his disciples, after they'd heard this, said, This word is hard. Who's able to hear it? Now Jesus, having known in himself what his disciples are grumbling about, he said to them, Does this cause you to fall away? What then if you may observe the Son of Man going up where he was before? The Spirit is the one making alive. The flesh does not profit anything. The ramus, the words that I speak to you, are spirit and they are life. But those but but there are certain ones among you who are not believing. Because of this, many of his disciples went away to the things that lie behind, and they were walking with him no more. Now, let's be very clear. When you're reading the scripture to be close to Jesus, you are eating the words of Jesus, you are eating his body, and they give you strength. When you when you eat of the television and the news and of the sentimental worldly music, you are eating of the flesh. And if you fill up on the flesh, you will have no interest in the spirit because you will be full. And some of you walk around stuffed in the flesh all the time. That's why some of you weigh 300 pounds. Because you have been feasting on the things of the flesh. Now, I like desserts as well as anyone, and I like food as well as anyone but I find I have to severely limit my intake of food. I have to very severely limit my intake of music, and I love music. You can tell by the pieces I play before the broadcast. I could listen to that hallelujah That Easter hallelujah, I could listen to it over and over and over. But I would rather listen to the words of Jesus over and over and over. Some of you are extremely greedy. You don't give to anyone. You don't sacrifice. You come to this broadcast and you eat and you eat and you eat, but you're not going to give. You're not going to sacrifice. I praise God some of you do, 
That's why I'm still able to be on the air and speak these very straight, hard things. Some of you are so full of the entertainment of the world. I spoke to one man over and over and over about his love for football. And he scorned me. He blew me off. He said, no, 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 pastor. There's nothing wrong with football. I said, do you think there'll be a football league in heaven? Well, I don't know, but it's there's nothing wrong with it now. And one man and his son said, Pastor, are you saying we should not watch football? Are you saying that it's wrong to watch? I said, yes. And they left, and I've never heard from them again. (laughs) Because they want to feast on the things of darkness. They want to feast on the world. Now, it's of utter importance that you look at everything you do with your time and your energy and ask the question, Is this feasting on things of the flesh? Or is this feasting on the things of God? Will this draw me into the heart of Jesus? Will this build my relationship with Jesus? Or will this build the ties to the world? Which is it? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Or are you full of the greed spirit? We've got to come to a place where Jesus alone holds our attention. But that's not going to happen automatically. That's going to happen as we cut off the feeding sources for our soul from the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil's happy to spoon-feed you all day long. He wants you fat and happy and dumb. He wants to take you to hell. So the greedy person is saying, I've got to be very careful of my money. It's my money. I have to take care of myself. And they have no clue that all the money in the world belongs to Jesus and that Jesus is the one who gives them the ability to gain wealth. They have no clue that they can't grab and growl and get enough to satisfy the greed of their hearts. that all of that has to be surrendered to Jesus. Cynicism, anger, bitterness, all come out of a disappointed and greedy heart. Are you filled with rage? Then your greedy heart has not yet been satisfied. So you're angry because you haven't gotten what you wanted. God didn't do for you what you demanded he'd do for you. Peace comes flowing like a river. When I'm finally clear that what I want is my Lord Jesus. Because he is the bread of life. And he will feed you as he has and is feeding me. Jesus literally carries my life in his hand because I don't have a life. It belongs to Jesus. And when I'm able to recognize more and more the greed when it rises up in my heart, and I cast it out in the name of Jesus and go the other direction. If I don't want to help someone, I'll go the other direction and help them more and say, okay, Satan, you want me to be selfish? I deal with you. I'll give more. 
Now, it's important to do that at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but you hear what I'm saying. I don't want to make my own way. I want Jesus to open the way before me. I'm not going to go and try to grab and growl about what I think are my rights. I had someone unjustly sue me with accusations that were not true. And they demanded a very large sum of money. The Lord said, Give it to them. Give it to them. As a Christian, it all belongs to me, the Lord says. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? A Christian holds on to Jesus Christ. A Christian fills himself, fills herself with the word of God. All bitterness, all anger, all defensiveness, all accusations, that's all a product of greed in our hearts. And Jesus calls us to repent of our greed and to walk in obedience to the word of God that comes to us. Even if we look foolish doing it, and even if everybody says, Pastor, why are you doing that? Because Jesus said so. See, I don't have to be defensive about money or time or my energy. I don't have to be guarded about my life. My life belongs to Jesus, and he can choose to spend me in any way he chooses to spend me, and that's okay. So I can be totally at peace because I don't have anything to earn. I don't have anything to grab. All I have is my Lord Jesus. When I see the greed of people's hearts, it makes me weep. It brings great sorrow to my heart. Because I know that that person, until they change, cannot be saved. Greed destroys a marriage. It destroys a church. It destroys friendships. It causes bitter judgments. It causes wrecks. Because we're demanding in our greedy heart that we have what we want. And the Lord says, no. No. The Lord says, no. So he comes and he says, the words I speak to you are spirit and our life. So many of his disciples stopped following him. They went away to the things that were behind. Things of the flesh, the world, the devil. And they didn't walk with him anymore. They wrote him off. And Jesus said to the twelve, You do not wish to go away do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom will we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. In fact, we have believed and have known that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. My brother, my sister, greed will hide in your heart under many different disguises. Search out by the Holy Spirit. Ask him to bring the lamp of God into your heart. And ask if he would expose every aspect of greed that it could be dealt with, that it could be taken out of your heart. Don't fill up on the junk food of this world. Don't fill up on the junk entertainment of this world. Don't fill up on junk relationships in this world. Be lean and hungry for Jesus. Seek after him with all of your heart. Many will try to enter into the kingdom of God, but very few, he said, will be able to enter. It is a narrow path. It is a groaning path because you can't take a bunch of stuff in with you. When you enter heaven, you'll only take your character with you. The flesh body will be gone, and he will give us a new heavenly body. Do you understand? You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I pray today's been helpful to you. If it has, I'd love to hear from you. Be one of those the Lord moves upon to help support this radio broadcast. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go to nationalprayerchapel.com. We have a brand new webpage. It's beautiful. Brother Ed just has it all up. Much easier to use. You can give online. Just click the give. It'll take you to a webpage where you can give online. My brother, my sister, be filled with Jesus Christ and his spirit. And you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. God bless you. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. Join us and pray for America. Pray for the church. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'd love to meet you in person. I'll talk to you soon. Jesus.